Ladies and gentlemen, before we get started, does anyone want to get out? I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Mad About Movies is your go-to show for all things cinema. Every week, we break down movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and break down our chosen movie of the week. Don't worry if you haven't seen that movie, because we will warn you before we go into spoilers. And please stay tuned till the end of our episode for our weekly recommend segment, in which each of us suggests something that you need to get out and check out as soon as you can. And remember, you can find all our episodes at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I joined S.H.I.E.L.D. to protect people. Captain, to build a better world sometimes means tearing the old one down. That makes enemies. So first Marvel film of 2014, guys. Yeah. Hopefully a better year for Marvel than 2013. Well, it can't get much worse. It can't. For sure. I mean... Yeah, fourth Marvel film we are breaking down on the Mad About Movies podcast. Uh, Marvel's The Avengers, Iron Man 3, and Thor The Dark World are all uh, featured in our archived episodes, so go to our website to check those out. Uh, But man, it's always good to talk Marvel with you guys. And it's always good, uh, especially every couple months, to sort of sit back and uh, try to predict where Marvel is going to go from here. So this ought to be a good one, guys. I'm stoked. Yeah. Before we dive into movie news, rumors, and rumblings for this week, guys, I thought we would take some time out uh, and give a few shout-outs and answer a couple emails. Let's do it. So I want to give a shout-out, first of all, to one of our loyal listeners, uh, Mr. Daniel Dahlstrom. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Daniel. Daniel's from Chester, Connecticut, and uh, works at a factory in some sort of assembly line factory. And he emailed us and said, Hey, guys, I started listening to you at work recently. I sit there all day operating this machine of doom as I slave away in this factory, (laughs) but your amazing insight and banter really allows me to push through it. So I just wanted to take some time and say thank you to Daniel uh, for that email and um, for allowing us to guide you through your life. I mean, I I guess that's that's the most we could ask for from any listener is that our podcast uh, helps you get through the day, maybe puts a smile on your face for a few minutes uh, through your stressful nine to five grind or whatever you're up to yeah. in your daily life. So that's odd. That's very encouraging to us. And, uh, thank you, Daniel, for that email. Totally. How much better is life now that we have smartphones and podcasts and things like that? Like you can jobs that used to be the worst are now only kind of awful. Cause you can at least sit there and, and listen to whatever you want to like that. That makes things so much better it, for me anyway. I don't know about you On guys, a- but daily basis i uh i'll be doing like a chore of some kind that i hate and uh i'm just like wow people used to do do this (laughs) without a podcast or an audiobook or yeah it's 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 crazy i uh i worked at a i worked at six flags for a couple summers when i was in high school and we would all fight over this one dip and dot station because there was a radio like tucked away underneath and you could so I could listen to the ticket all day uh, in the dip and dot stand and if I if I got that I felt like my job was 22% better so podcast smartphones all the time 
make well, everything. Plus, you got to deal in the ice cream of the future and really right. feel like yeah. you're a part of something. I mean, it was look, it was uh, it was a big deal. Not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, I want to shout out to a couple other people. I want to answer a question, uh, or actually a suggestion, that comes from Jay Croft from Southgate, Michigan. And uh, Jay wants to hear a Back to the Future throwback episode. Oh. And also wants to hear an original Batman throwback episode, the Michael Keaton version. Totally in on both of those. Yeah. So, cool. I thought I would run but those by y'all. Back to the Future 3. That's the only one we're going to do. Yeah, that's the only one that matters. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll definitely add those to the list, Jay. So, great suggestions. And uh, if you are a listener and have a suggestion for a throwback episode, feel free to email us and suggest it. Uh, oftentimes, we like to do throwback uh, episodes when there's nothing worthy out in the theater. Oh, and sometimes and way, we like to double the up. the entire month of April, so sure. we do need your help. <laughs> so it looks like we'll probably be doing a throwback episode next week when we talk draft day. So that'll be good. <laughs> Let's talk about the postman instead. Yeah. It's still old school costume. <laughs> But but Richard, mm-hmm. uh, Jay had a suggestion that I think uh, would interest you. He said uh, one hidden gem that I think we got we should check out is a comedy from Mr. Albert Brooks called Defending Your Life. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies. Okay, I love cool. I had never heard of it, so I wanted to ask you if you had heard of it and yeah. if you would recommend it as well. So it's a very good movie. Um, it is uh, the all-time favorite movie of podcasting pioneer Adam Carolla. Really? This is number one all-time favorite movie. Um, yeah, it's a really good movie. It's got uh, some Meryl Streep action in it, some great Albert Brooks. Essentially, the movie begins with Albert Brooks dying, and he goes to sort of a waiting room type heaven, and you essentially have to defend your life in order to get into the real heaven. Huh. and uh, Or, you know, be sent back. So uh, that Rip is torn. the... It's got some great Rip Torn. It's got right. some really good... Have you not seen that, Brian? I thought you'd no, seen it. No, I've never even heard of it before. Oh, Defending Your Life is wonderful. It's 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 uh, Stephen Blum's also a big fan, uh, producer right. Stephen. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite Albert Brooks movies. It's really really good. Very uh, philosophical, but not in a pretentious way. Just kind of a fun movie. Awesome. Well, cool recommend, Jay. And uh, Brian and I love to check that out. Richard's a little more cultured than him and I. Oh, and that's <laughs> so. not true at all. Uh, you guys have seen ten times the amount of movies I have. That one just happened to be in my wheelhouse. I'm an Albert Brooks. You are no. the, the Albert Brooks aficionado of this show, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, one more person I want to mention before we move on to movie news, rumors, rumblings, guys. Uh, listener Cole Triosi, uh, sounds Italian, uh, from Massachusetts, writes in and says, Hey, guys, love the show. I know you hate Now You See Me. And by the way, I want to reiterate that over 75% of our emails have something to do with Now You See Me. So I appreciate that. Keep them coming. But he says, I know you hate Now You See Me, but I want to propose another movie as the worst movie of all time. He he says, Nacho Libre with Jack Black was the worst two hours of his entire life. So so response to, uh, to Cole, guys. That's a bad movie. Uh, <laughs> not not good at all. That, I think Nacho Libre is the like the glass breaking on Jack Black. Like I saw that movie and I was like, uh, okay, so Jack Black's not great in everything. Um, this is terrible. Yeah, not not a good movie. I'm with you, Richard. You seen Nacho Libre? I, I've not had the pleasure. <laughs> so, so who's who's cultured now? 
Yeah, it's true. I haven't seen it either, Brian. So you can take the culture Dude, award on that. That is a terrible movie. It's he's he's not wrong. I, I don't. I mean. I gotta pull up Nacho Libre to. For some to reason, Jack Black as a Hispanic wrestler just didn't interest me. I don't know oh, why. Yeah. Jared, Jared has. I forgot Jared has. That, so that was his yeah, It's, it's the fault of Napoleon. Yeah, but I, I will make. I will say this. Uh, what's what's the listener's name who emailed us? Cole. Cole. Uh, if you think Nacho Libre is the worst movie of all time, you should probably watch Jared Hess's next movie, Gentleman Broncos, which actually might be the worst movie <laughs> of all time. Uh, I man that that you know like my whole bit is I don't I don't quit watching movies once I start but man that one really put it to the test that is a horrible movie it's like the world's worst Wes Anderson movie yes that's a that's a great way to put it that's a great way to put it yeah yeah that's a shame <laughs> it's everything it's you don't like about Wes Anderson minus any of the charm or talent yes it just is the weird aesthetic and kind of pretension minus the charm and talent right it's really bad. I have it's seen still, that one. I don't he know hasn't why. made a movie since. I think that ended his career. Thank well, you. he did make a wonderful. Um, they did a cartoon uh, series on Fox yep, called Napoleon exactly. Dynamite, guys. Yeah, Come on. Do. That yep, lasted like four episodes. Get up, get with the get with the program here. But thanks, Cole. And thanks to everyone else who uh, who emailed us. And I want to remind our listeners, if you have uh, a question or comment for the show, you can uh, find our contact info on our website. ThatAboutMoviesPodcast.com Just click contact and it goes straight to us Let the filibustering begin Well guys, I think the most applicable um, subject we should kick off movie news with uh, Richard, I'm going to let you start this off You know where I'm going with this, I hope Yeah, uh, it seems big announcement this week That uh, Craig Ferguson has announced that he is in fact Scottish <laughs> Is that not what we're talking about? No, no, it's the other announcement. Uh, David Letterman is retiring next year. Yeah, it was a, it was very sudden, as we all knew it would be. We'd even talked about it, um, and it kind of came out of nowhere. And you know, it's it seems to be a good time. Uh, now it's kind of Jimmy versus Jimmy is the big battle, and and Letterman is an afterthought, and it just kind of passed his prime. And I think Letterman certainly deserves a fun kind of year long farewell tour, like. Uh, Mariana Rivera or something. I, for one, am sending him a rocking chair. But um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think it'll be a fun year. But do, what, are you, where do you, what are your thoughts on this? Ken, do you want me to yeah, talk no. about? Was it really random, though? I mean, it doesn't, it, it feels like in his mind, he's like, okay, I'm just waiting for Jay to leave. Yeah. And I'm going to announce it after that, but I don't want to make it too soon after he mm-hmm. retires to make it look like I was just waiting for him to retire for me to sure. retire. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think, yeah, I, I think. He would quit before Jay over over Dave's dead body. Yeah, um, he kind of lost the ratings war with him because of um, Leno's kind of uh, mid America, no mid America and appeal. And his, you know, uh, this is not an original point, but it's been brought up by a lot of people that uh, Leno was really w- willing to work those local affiliates, where Letterman just kind of sat in New York and uh, just expected. <laughs> Uh, to be great, but so he didn't really win the the ratings war, but I think he won the war for relevancy. I mean, all the big moments, aside from one or two, happened on Letterman's show. They didn't happen on Leno's show hardly ever, with a few exceptions. Hugh Grant being one, right? And <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a really. I mean, David Letterman's been on television my entire life. I remember watching him 
uh, late night on his late night show. I think he quit when I was six, so it had to be when I was three, four, five. I remember watching that show. And then he's obviously been on the late show since I was, you know, six or seven, and I've been watching that at least once or twice a week that entire stretch. So um, it's it's certainly going to be weird. The, the the sad part is, much like his hero Johnny Carson, I, I I have this kind of nagging feeling that the last time we see him on TV will be the last time we see him. Right. Um, whereas with other people, you know, like with Leno even though I'm not a huge Leno fan, I'm not a Leno hater either, but if I say I was a really big Leno fan, watching him sign off doesn't have that kind of like sadness to it because I feel like I'll see Jay Leno again somewhere. He'll pop up. Um, but I really feel like we will just never see, I could be wrong, but I, I think Letterman will like do a 60 minutes interview the last week. He'll do his last show. He'll throw his hands up and they'll fade out and then we will never see (laughs) him again. And he'll just live in Montana. Yeah. I'll just go to his cabin. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's something about that's really sad because he's like family. Like I said, he's been around my entire life. And uh, and uh, but yeah, he certainly passed his prime. And and uh, what a career! Uh, the Kent, you sent over that Overman clip today for those listeners that haven't watched it. You know, Bill Simmons has an article up today that's really good. But I think the Overman five or six minute clip is the best kind of um, really quick encapsulation of of Letterman's career. And what people forget is. Um, you know, he was kind of the anti-talk show host on The Late Show. He was kind of doing an impression of a talk show host. He was very ironic. And then when he left NBC, he became everything that he sort of mocked. And I mean that in a good way. Like he he showed like not only can I make fun of this, I can do this. I can be a really elegant, wonderful host um, and kind of had a mid-career total flip. And that's a really interesting – he had a really interesting career. And uh, and then I think Simmons talked – if you read that uh, – Call him on Grantland today. The 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 what's great about Dave and what people will will miss, and I, I don't think Kimmel or Fallon or Leno certainly didn't have this, or anyone has this. Even John Stewart doesn't have this. Uh, people went on Dave's show not to just plug what they were doing, uh, but to try to impress him. Yeah, and and people had it was a he. He never had a celebrity, even when someone like Barack Obama or George Clooney or these kind of larger than life uh, political or just, you know, kind of celebrity creatures were on. Dave always seemed more famous. Yeah. And he seemed more um, it seemed like they had to impress him and not the other way around, which is a dynamic that I really don't think we'll ever have again in, in the way the way TV is splintered. I don't know if we'll ever see that again where, um, you know, if uh if Bill Clinton is on Letterman's show, Bill Clinton is more nervous than Letterman. That's a really right. weird yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And uh, and so I think that will be missed. But sorry, I've gone on too long. But what do you guys think? No, what? yeah, I think I think that's true. And especially you see that with with Jimmy Fallon. Like guests walk all over Jimmy Fallon. I feel like yeah, he yeah. he and doesn't have fine. control it's... of of the interview process really at all. Right. At this and that's point. part of his charm. Yeah, I think. I guess. If you if you want to call it charm, but uh, yeah, no, it's depressing, man. It's it's inevitable that it was going to happen, but man, Letterman is my favorite late night host of all time. I mean, I've Mine too. Yeah. I've watched more Letterman probably than any other show in my entire life. So, uh, it is disappointing that that we won't we, we won't get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my kids won't ever get to see him or, or something like that. But we and- still have a year of shows left. Let's not forget. Absolutely, it'll be a fun farewell tour. Kent, is someone you and I watch. 
uh, and I've always watched Letterman and they're yeah. big fans. Brian, not so much. What Brian, I'm interested in your thoughts as kind of a, not a hater or a lover, just kind of. Yeah. A, yeah. No, I think for me, Letterman is always, I mean, I, I'm a Conan guy and that was the only, I mean, we've talked before. I don't, you know, we don't, most of us don't have time for multiple late night shows in our, in our sure. life, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I've always been a Conan guy, but Letterman is like, uh, like a great movie that you've never seen. Like, I don't know. Like if you've never seen Citizen Kane, yeah. you can probably say like, okay, I get it. Like I understand that it's a great movie. It's just, it's just not something that is in yeah. my, my daily life. I have a great, uh, lasting respect for, for Letterman. Um, and if I ever was to tune into, uh, that time slot, uh, it was always Letterman. I've always, I've never, I've never cared for Leno. Mm-hmm. Um, and Letterman, you could tune in. You could, you always. I always understood the the greatness, and it was, it was just such a different thing to mm-hmm. to watch. I don't think I appreciated it quite as much in my younger years, and then in my later years, I just I just don't have time to mm-hmm. to have that as part of my. Uh, but it's a, you know as part of my watching. But it's still it's a obviously it's a sad. Th- it, it's a loss for the industry for sure, um, and you guys are right. Letterman is a, I think like Leno and, and now Fallon and, and even to, in a way, even Carson, I think, but definitely Leno and, and, uh, and Fallon, the draw is the tonight show, not yeah. Fallon, not, not Leno, or at least as far as the celebrities go, I think, or the, the guests mm-hmm. and whatnot. I think for the late show and not think, I know for the late show, the draw is Letterman because you mm-hmm. want to go, like you said, Richard, you want to go, you want to impress him. You want to just kind of be in the presence of greatness. Um, and it, you know, look, he was always, I tweeted you guys, uh, or I, I sent you guys a copy of a tweet from somebody complaining about how Letterman just like he would, they went to a showing and Letterman acted like he didn't care and all this sort of thing. And we all were like, yeah. And that's why he was awesome. Like this wasn't, um, yeah, it was a totally different thing for him than it was for, for Leno or, or any of these other guys. So yeah, I, I, uh, it's, it's a loss for the industry. He is fantastic. Um, and, and I, I am, I, I probably will tune in more to his show over the next year or however, however yeah. long he's going to be than I have, uh, in the entire length of his uh, his his run with CBS, because I, I usually I will tune in when Bill Murray's on, you know, or or something yeah. like that. If yeah. I know yeah. this particular guest is going to be there, because Murray always comes and does something crazy, and it's always yeah. a blast. Uh, but yeah, Arch. it's definite loss for sure. So I'll I'll lead this discussion on further. Um, so I, I'm I'm we're going to pull up the odds here in a second, but the the odds are already out in Vegas for the Letterman replacement. Um, yeah colbert seems to be the leading candidate and like i said this on twitter today like i don't know if it will be stephen colbert or quote stephen colbert right like his character or him i would assume him um because he's got that viacom contract so they can just move that over he'd be pretty cheap so on and so forth who who i'll ask you both who do you think will get it logically and who would you and who would you like to see get it Sure. I've already prepared sort of a mini list here. And and this is interesting because it's not like when Jay Leno was booted out, I should say, there was somebody waiting in the wings. Mm -hmm. You know, this is sort of uh, nobody knows what's going to happen, even CBS, uh, a year from now. So it'll be an interesting year to see who ends up getting this gig. But right now is the funnest time where people can just speculate. 
yeah. on what's going to happen. So, Richard, uh, who do you think is going to get it? Or who do you want to get it? I, I think Colbert is, is a prohibitive favorite. And yeah. who would I like to see get it? Um, now, do you think Colbert over John Stewart just yes. because of his appeal? Like, I, th- I feel I, like Stewart would be a little bit uh, angry at that fact because, you know, Stewart, there would be no Colbert without John Stewart's this show. Is- True. Yeah. I I honestly think things have changed in Stewart's life. I think he likes doing the Daily Show. I think that's a hard show to do. He's now directing films. Yeah. Um. He got Comedy Central gave him what three four months off to go direct a movie last year. You're not going to be able to do that if you host the Late Show. Yeah. Um. I think he's really firmly entrenched with what the Daily Show is to become. I think he's really comfortable there. It's a format that really fits him. And. You could attempt to kind of move that format over and add, um, you know, two extra guests to it, and probably have a perfectly fine network late night show. Um, but I don't know if he would really want to do that. I, for some reason, I feel like he definitely would maybe be the network's choice over Colbert. But I think he would prefer to stay. Yeah, he, I, I agree. I was just wondering because yeah, Colbert is a wonderful sketcher performer. He's an incredible singer. Um, he could really rival Jimmy, the Jimmies, in an interesting way. I think. Um, I, I, I don't think, you know, John Stewart's a wonderfully talented writer and, and, and I think a very, very, become a very, very good interviewer, but I think Colbert, we've only really scratched the, the tip of the iceberg as to what all his talents are. No, I agree. Um, yeah. I love and Colbert. So, and so I think he'd be a really interesting, interesting choice. I, I really do. Uh, so, so that's the ideal situation. If we have it, if we have it our way, yeah, we want Colbert. I I, told, I I think he would be a great replacement for Letterman. I'm I'm crossing my fingers that that comes to fruition. What about you, Brian? Yeah, the the thing with Colbert is just what you said, Richard. Like, I think he's a I think he's a much more uh, risky choice, just mm-hmm. because I don't think America knows what you're gonna get with him. No one knows um, who he is, right? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly we only, right. We only know the character, like yeah, because you know, he's. Except- I mean, yeah, exactly. So that I think that's a. That could be a, a risky choice for a network that doesn't really take risks. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure how that plays out. I the immediate thought I had was Conan, and and that was mm-hmm. talked about quite a bit. Absolutely. I still think that's a that's one of the. I think that's a very high likelihood. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I want that for Conan though. As a as a lifelong and I mean literally at this point, almost like a lifelong fan uh, of Conan, I kind of want Conan to be able to move on to something different from what he's doing now. Um, and I think if you take the late show that pretty much locks you into this same sort of thing for another 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Conan where he's, I mean, he's a great interviewer that the serious jibber jabber that he does, I think yeah. is fantastic. And I'd love to see him kind of move to more long form and producing things and stuff like that. Uh, just because of my, affection for for him sure. as a as a person but no i i if i had to guess i would say i would say conan is pro is the is would be my odds on favorite just because i think you guys are right i don't think stewart is leaving the daily show and i just see colbert as such a uh it's almost like a grab bag like you don't really know what you're getting there and i don't know that mm-hmm. the network that loves shows and sick and everything they do they know exactly what they're going to get i don't know that they go that route yeah 
you wonder if Colbert is removed from his bit, so to speak, you know, the Colbert rapport, mm-hmm. uh, the political commentary type thing. You wonder how he would fare with a mainstream audience with none of that, you know, unless they made the late show more like the Colbert rapport, which I wouldn't be opposed to. I thought they were going to do that with with Seth Meyers show. I thought it was going to be more of a desk mm-hmm. clip show, yeah. you know, type thing, but it didn't happen, unfortunately. Colbert is um they certainly, I'm sure, would move aspects of it over. Um, he could kind of play his Bill O'Reilly character uh, or Keith Olbermann character or whatever it is he's yeah. doing. Um, Olbermann would be a great fill-in for, would be for Letterman. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> so who are our Dark Horse candidates? Who are the people that are probably n- it's never going to happen, but we would love to see host The Late Show? Um, well, real quick on Colbert. The, the thing is about his um, his real self, if you ever see like the 60 Minutes interview with him or – times where he kind of gets out of character he's really likable um so i i I think if people gave him a shot i think they would really like him the question is can't like you're saying would they give him a shot um so as far as dark horses go oh wow i know baldwin's been tossed around a little bit nice uh baldwin or yeah no uh billy (laughs) billy nice that's, yeah, if you ever want to just go to go to sportsbook.com if you're ever bored listener and go to the entertainment section and there's always like some great things you can gamble on. I'm not saying you have to gamble on it. We don't condone gambling officially, <laughs> but it is great to read the odds. Okay. So um to explain how odds work to so maybe those people, the lower number is the more likely, right? So like a Conan O'Brien is plus 800 if you bet, you know, 100 you can win $100, $800. So uh you know, you've got Conan at plus eight hundred, John Stewart at plus six fifty, um, and Ellen DeGeneres at fifteen hundred. I'm trying to find some Neil Patrick Harris is plus eight hundred, so they've got him and Conan at about the same. Colbert is plus two twenty five, so he's a prohibitive favorite. Wow. It's shifted. So now some some long shots. You got Alec Baldwin at plus twenty thousand. <laughs> wow. Um, That'd be worth just putting a putting a buck on that one. <laughs> here's a weird one. Bill Simmons plus fifty thousand. Wow. Never. That would never no. happen. Ever. He's terrible on TV. Uh, Aziz plus 5,000. That would be awesome. <laughs> Please. Amy Poehler plus 2,000. At some point, someone's going to try the female trick again. I did it with Joan Rivers 25 yeah, years ago. I would say Tina would be awesome, but I feel like Chelsea Handler or Ellen would get it way before Tina would get it. Yeah, well, I, don't, I think Tina's so tied to Lauren Michaels and yeah, by extension yeah. at NBC. And she wouldn't want to compete with Jimmy. Yeah, with Jimmy. Yeah, I agree. Right. Plus, her. I think what you're looking for, I, I would love to see something different, but you need a, you need someone who doesn't have their career in front of them if you want yeah. to, to go that route. Like Tina Fey, you guys would be fantastic at that, but is she willing to give up all the sort of, the different things that she's going to have in the next 10 to 15 years to be able to do that? No, I don't, I don't think so. Alec Baldwin makes sense just from a career standpoint because he's, yeah. I mean, he'll do stuff here and there, I'm sure. But I think his, partly because of his personality and partly just because of his choosing, his days as a, an actor, did. actor are, are, are kind of over. So, I mean, he, he th- even 30 Rock, there was talk during that run that he might quit, you know, mm-hmm. at some point during that. So, that's so, who you're kind of looking here's for, but somebody who has a better personality as far as getting along with people a little bit. 
Chelsea Handler is at plus 800. Obviously, we talked about this yesterday because she just recently announced she's leaving E. So that's going to speculate. Here's an interesting one at plus 2,000, kind of middle odds. And I, this one really does intrigue me. Chris Rock. Oh. Nice. See, that's, yeah, that's that's what you're talking about. That's a, man, that would be a great Because he's a New York guy. Ooh. You know, his, his stand-up years are, I wouldn't say behind him, but he's not going to bring another bring the pain. Right. He's done a show before. Did they let him out of his contract? Three weeks a year to film an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hopefully. He's, the Chris Rock show was very critically heralded. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one. That's a – I like that pick. I was – there was part of me that thought Eddie Murphy – excuse me, Eddie Murphy for Ooh, a while. That's but interesting. I, I, and I don't love Eddie Murphy, but I just think that's the kind of guy you're looking for. Like somebody yeah. who has the chops but – it does not. I don't think Eddie Murphy wants to put in the hours, though. No, I, that I totally show agree. takes hours. I totally Rock agree. may still want to. Yeah. What about? And he did a three-episode arc on his show about this exact situation. Louis C.K. Louis is at. Plus, he's got the same. He's got slightly less odds than Rock, so he's at three thousand. Talk about so. somebody who's done the stand-up route for yeah. how many years? He's grinded his way to the top, arguably. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, what a better way to go out than twenty years of doing your own thing on a on a network talk show? I think Louis would be a great fit. I don't think it'll happen. I can only hope it would happen. But what do you think about a more like CBS friendly uh, host? Like you know, like like the hosts have to appeal to CBS's audience, right? And you talk about somebody whose career's already sort of happened. And I, I thought of this candidate the other morning, and don't be surprised at all. If this ends up happening, <laughs> the late show with Drew Carey. Yeah, he's on here. Yeah. I can 100% see CBS doing that. Yeah. The thing is, is, the only thing with that is, and this is not a CBS move, this is a Drew Carey move. He works two days a week. He makes enough money where he can own and manage a professional sports team. Let me edit that, say that again. He can own and manage a professional sports team with a schedule. He owns the Seattle Sounders. Part of and- that, but okay, yeah. Yeah, part owner. But I mean, he is he, very involved. He he's on the West Coast. I, I don't know if he'd take that. Because he, he you literally price his rights a two day a week job. That's pretty sweet. Here's an interesting one, okay? Howard Stern. Howard Stern. Oh, Howard would be great. Howard will never give up radio though. He he just won't do it. I don't think. I, I, I would love that. I think Howard's the best interviewer of all time, no doubt. Yeah. And I just don't think he would do it, honestly. Brian, for you, here's one. Yeah. Have five thousand odds, Kevin Hart. <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> Yikes! Man, the the Chris Rock has me intrigued because there's going to be a lot of pressure to hire a minority or or a female candidate, and mm-hmm. there's not really a great female choice. Chris Rock, that's that's intriguing. I'm I, that would get me that would get me there for a week. I don't know yeah. if any of these other. I mean, Conan, I'll follow him wherever he goes on my DVR, but. Uh, Chris Rock, that's that's a pretty interesting choice. I like that. All right, I'm going to throw a couple more at you. I know we can't do this forever, even though I'd love to. Yeah, we got to so move on. But keep a couple going. quick ones, real quick. Okay, yeah. Michael Strahan, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris, which we talked about because he's a CBS. Could be great. He could sing. He could tell jokes. He'd be fine. And his uh, career is going nowhere except for Broadway. So yeah. if he wants to stay on TV slash movies, that's. I mean, he's never gonna he's never gonna get away from Barney Stinson. I don't think the yeah. How I Met Your Mother character, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> he won't do it, but yeah, he won't be great. Do it. And this is I'm serious, one to keep an eye on because 
Dave is his absolute hero. Um, the network he's on is not always the strongest, and CBS is America's most watched network, unfortunately. Jimmy Kimmel. Mm. Yeah. Keep an eye yeah, on it. Yeah, I know. And and it's 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 more of will ABC let him out of his contract than does Jimmy want to do it? Because of course he wants to do it. You mm-hmm. know. But I just don't think ABC is going to let him go. You know, I think, especially with with Jimmy Fallon, and I mean, he's there. He's all they have at this mm-hmm. point for late night. Sure. And he's built this show what since two thousand and one or two. Yeah. It's what it is over twelve years now, and it's finally starting to get the notoriety that it it might deserve with all the web videos and stuff that they've been doing. So he's the one person that can compete with. With Jimmy Fallon, as far as the viral content and everything goes, so. So I'm going to give you three more that are ridiculous. We don't even have to comment on them. I just want to laugh that they're on here. Okay. Arsenio. <laughs> okay. Amy Schumer. Mm, Charlie no. Sheen. Seriously. Charlie Sheen. Charlie. <laughs> wow. Dan Patrick. Ellen DeGeneres is not ridiculous. That's interesting. If she wanted to move to late night, but she's so good on during the day. It's perfect for her. Lena Dunham is ridiculous. Two, two, two oh, and a half. God. I like girls, but I think fourteen people watch that every week. <laughs> For some reason, Maya Rudolph is on here at decent <laughs> odds. Wow. wow. Maya Rudolph has better odds than Ryan Seacrest or Seth Meyers, which I would say both. Those neither of those are likely, but they're more likely than Maya Rudolph. Yeah. Um, I'll never watch that, the show again if it's Ryan Seacrest. Just, just put that out on the record. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then the ultimate crazy one at plus 10,000 odds, Mr. Jay Leno. That won't ha- that won't happen just cause he, <laughs> just cause Dave would never let that happen. Yeah. yeah. He, he would rather not retire than have Jay take over for him. Here's a couple that I want to mention to Richard that we didn't talk about. If they want to okay. go younger route, mm-hmm. uh, already in the comedy central umbrella, kind of. Yeah. Anthony Jesselnik. He's too. He's he. He would tick people. I think too Tosh is more like. Yeah, Tosh is more likely than him. He's too mean. He's funny. He's too mean. Letterman. His whole mean too. his whole act is is mean. Yeah, and that's true. He couldn't. He couldn't. To my knowledge, tone that down. But I saw this guy on Seth Meyers the other night, and he could give Seth a run for his money. That's for sure. John Mulaney. Yeah, John's he's great. Fantastic. fantastic. He's got a show on Fox though. Fox stole him from NBC. Mulaney's fantastic. He's better than Seth Meyers. Like, I was watching it. Like, if these guys just flip their chairs, that would (laughs) be a great show. He's, yeah, he's got, he's got a bright future ahead of him. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Good job, NBC, letting that go to Fox. Way to reject that pilot. Really smart. Yeah, but we should move on, guys. We've been talking about this for like nine hours straight. Mm -hmm. But we'll, let's talk about it again in the future. Think of some other candidates, and it'll be fun to sort of see this play out over the next year. That'll be good. I'm throwing my hat in the ring, guys. Yeah. You've got our email, guys. If you want to get a hold of Richard, you know who to call. Yeah, and email any suggestions you may have, the listener. Yeah, that'd be great. If we didn't mention anybody that you think would be a great host, for sure. Yeah, hit us up. John Hader. John Hader (laughs) from Napoleon. Whatever. Yeah, we were talking about Nacho Libre earlier. Yeah. He's not doing anything, so he's got that going for him. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. 
With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Well, on that note, let's move on and let's talk Captain America, the Winter Soldier. We're going to neutralize a lot of threats before they even happen. Thought the punishment usually came after the crime. S.H.I.E.L.D. takes the world as it is, not as we'd like it to be. This isn't freedom. This is fear. You need to keep both eyes open. Brian Gill. Yeah. I want you to kick off this episode and give us your initial thoughts of the Winter Soldier. Uh, I know we weren't too big of fans of Thor the Dark World. Yeah. If at all. And so uh, give us your first impressions of the Winter Soldier. So I, I referenced earlier the the next month is going to be pretty pretty rough because this uh, Winter Soldier came out a little bit earlier than we normally would expect to see a movie like this as far as a summer film goes. Uh, so now we have this this block of April where there's just nothing that I'm looking forward to seeing really. Um, but I think this will this is a movie that will carry me through because I stinking loved this movie and I'm I'm. I am fighting really hard not to call this my the best of the Marvel movies. Like that's how that's how strongly I I, I feel. So uh, the list, this is the list I sent you. Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I uh, it's it's strange. It's strange. <laughs> it's the list had had the Winter Soldier as number one, but that wasn't yeah. the strange part. It had the no. first Avenger as the second best Marvel film. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's what's up for debate I, here. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Right, sorry. But no, this uh, man, this was. There's a lot that that will. I'm sure we'll, we'll delve into a lot of stuff. But but uh, I was excited about it going in. I was way more excited for it than I thought that I would be. Like when it was announced, I was like, okay, that's that'll be all right. But by the time I got there, the hype was so high that I was getting really excited. And it, for me, it really lived up to it. There are some plot issues here and there. 
um, that, that run a little bit dry, I think, or, or maybe there's a little too much jammed in, but, but overall, uh, I, I really, I like the way that the, that the movie's put together. I like Chris Evans in the role. Um, I like the character. I think I, I, I like Iron Man slash Tony Stark more than I like, uh, Steve Rogers slash Captain America, but I do feel like at least this time around, and I think the where they're moving him, this is a this is the character that I think is much easier, much more accessible, much more easy to um, sympathize with in some ways. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so, and I think that came out really well in this movie. Maybe, uh, definitely more so than than in the first one. Uh, but no, I, I really dug it. I liked the 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 structure. Uh, I like where it's put this franchise as far as moving forward. Um, and I, I really, really like most of the supporting actors uh, here more so even than I, than I do in the, the other series, the, the Iron Man series, and definitely than in the, uh, the Thor series. Um, I just, I feel like this movie worked really well as a, as an action ensemble almost. Um, and man, I just, I, I had a blast with it. I'm, I'm genuinely stoked about where, this part of this of the Marvel universe is heading, maybe even more so than any of the other uh, single properties. Um, the Avengers will, I think, will always be the one that that captivates us the most because it's just such a ambitious, massive thing that they're going to do every single time they make one of those movies. But as far as the standalone properties go, man, this is a this is quite a this is a great place to, for them to go to go from. I, I love this a lot. Big fan. Yeah. I want to go off what you said, uh, Brian. My, my mindset going into this movie was uh, if they can improve on any aspect of the first Avenger, mm-hmm. then I would consider this movie a success. Uh, because I did. I did enjoy the first Avenger. I know you guys probably weren't that high on it, but first Avenger is probably like, my number three Marvel film besides mm-hmm. like first Iron Man and the Avengers, of course. Yeah, that's where I am too, honestly. I, I really, really, really liked Cap. it. Yeah. yeah. I have it fourth, I think, because I like the first Thor slightly more. But go ahead. Get, get okay. To me. Yeah. So, so the first Avenger was, with what it was going for, I felt like it accomplished it beautifully. It was sort of going for this Indiana Jones style movie, old action adventure movie. Yeah. And I was surprised that that worked. Uh, with a superhero movie, considering the Christopher Nolans of the world and everything, and how our definition of superhero movie has vastly evolved in the past 10 years. Yeah. But man, to see them go in a completely different direction with this uh, than the first Avenger, and for uh, it to turn out as as great as it did, really excited me uh, for what's to come. This felt the least like a Marvel film that all of them did. Definitely. And... It's probably the best Marvel film. I don't know <laughs> how that's possible, but it is. Uh, it, the beginning of it, it felt like a Tom Clancy movie or something, like Rainbow Six or yeah. something like that. Uh, yeah. Cap sort of took on this persona of a ninja for a lot of the movie with how he fought, how he fought and everything, and he relied a lot less on his shield than I thought – uh, he did in the first film. And so he was very tactical in the movie, very smart. I feel like this is the first Marvel film that used Black Widow effectively, 
really. Yes. And she didn't feel yeah. like just, okay, we need to have her in here to get to the next film. Like, I feel like Scarlett definitely contributed in this film, and she's a much better complement to Captain America than she was Iron Man. Yes. And so I think Marvel's finally figured that out here. And there are some other stuff, Brian, I agree with you, there's some stuff that I didn't enjoy. But as a whole, man, this is just this is just a great film. I feel like it's as big a step up as The Dark Knight was from Batman Begins. And we can make other comparisons for sure. But this is just a huge, huge upgrade from the first Avenger. And like I said, I like the first Avenger. So as far as where Marvel's going to go from here, this is the first film since the Avengers that's come out that genuinely excites me about where they're going moving forward. Yeah. And so, Richard, I want to get your initial thoughts on Captain America 2. Yeah, I think um, – oh, uh, uh, I'll try to speak about some original things because a lot of what you guys have, have said, I can, I can only echo. I, I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I like the first one a lot too. It's definitely in my upper echelon of, of, of Marvel movies. I, I, I found myself, and I don't know if it's the fault of um, Evans or the writers, but I, I found myself really bored by Captain America in the Avengers movie. And it kind of put a sour taste on my mouth sure. where I felt like he couldn't really um, measure up to those other actors. And, and part yeah. of that might've just been the script. I'll, but like I said, in a standalone movie, the first Avengers is very, is very good, very strong, very fun movie. Uh, this movie's great. I mean, like it's better in almost every way. Um, he, Evans is great when he doesn't have uh, Downey and Hemsworth kind of compare against, and as far right. at least as far as charisma goes. Um, I think Scarlett Johansson. This is one of the better performances I've ever seen her give. It was really a um, oftentimes, and not just for. Uh, the physical beauty that she possesses, but she was very scene stealing in a lot of uh, different parts of this. I will say, you know, this tends, this is not solely the fault of Captain America. It's just sort of the grander context of it. I'm just so tired of these kind of apoplectic scenes at the end of movies um, where they just all top each other. And I felt like this one kind of fell into the, certainly not on the same level as man of steel, but that same kind of thing where it's just clunky, you know, at the end, um, a little too much action for me. Uh, but you know, that's what Marvel movies are. I, I just, I just wish, I don't think everything has to be transformers, but this, like you said, Brian, I don't know if it was Brian or Ken. I think it was Ken. So like you said, Ken, uh, this was, it did kind of feel like this is what they were trying to do with Jack Ryan, but didn't, couldn't pull off in the first half of this movie. Um, right. had this kind of Tom Clancy feel to it which I thought the movie worked best as, and I think that's the best way to use uh, Captain America. I'm really excited now, the second go-around, after having this movie really, really establish Evans probably as a movie star, or at least Captain America as this really huge, viable hero on par with Iron Man, uh, yeah. how they'll use him in Avengers. Because he was very underused in the first Avengers, whether that be because of Evan's own limitations as sort of a charismatic movie star or just the script. Like I said, I don't know, but I'm interested to see what they do with the second one. Yeah. I per, just to chime in on that. I think, I think that this is a character that works better much better as a standalone, just because yeah. we all made, I mean, everybody made jokes, you know, about like, here's, here's a, a, a demigod in Thor and here's like a genius with this ridiculous suit of armor in Iron Man and here's this green monstrous thing in the Hulk and then you've got this guy, what do you do? Well, I can run fast and I got a shield, you know? At least I'm better than this yeah. guy. He just shoots arrows, you know? Stuff yeah. like that. So I think I think there's some of that in the Avengers. I, I rewatched Avengers uh, yesterday 
or maybe the day before. Um, and, and that, that really struck me of just like, he doesn't, it never has bothered me and it really still doesn't bother me, but you, you really feel like they are pushing hard. Like, no, he's a big part of the Avengers too. You know, it's just like, they're just continually like you go direct traffic and show the police (laughs) how to do their job, you know, and stuff like that. And there's just, there's not as much that he is capable of doing uh, as compared to what these other ridiculous superheroes can do. So I just, I just personally, I don't know whether it's script or, or or Evans as much as it is just that character. You, you can, you automatically get to scale things down a bit when you're doing a Captain Mm -hmm. America movie versus an Avengers movie. And he just fits better within that context. I think. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's, Really, um, an angle I had not thought about. And that's a perfectly real, great reasoning by you. Seriously, awesome. That makes sense now. I learned something. <laughs> yeah. So, a lot of my uh, affinity towards this movie, actually, not a lot of it, but some of it goes to the fact that a lot of my Marvel thoughts coming into this were aided by the Agents of Shield series. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys had caught, have caught up with that show or have tried to um, stay along with it or up to date with it as it's gone mm-hmm. along. But I, I I really see what Marvel's doing here with this movie. Yeah. This movie definitely really ties into what they're doing on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I haven't seen tonight's episode, but apparently tonight's episode takes place after the Winter Soldier. And uh, so I really liked how S.H.I.E.L.D. was sort of the center focus of this movie. I didn't so much like the how they were hammering home extremists in Iron Man 3 and Thor the Dark World just seemed so standalone to me didn't really feel like uh it had any implications on where they were going to go in the future and mm-hmm. and you never know like like I said in that episode I'm sure when Avengers 2 comes out and we're like man this movie would have made no sense without Thor the Dark World then you know I'm going to eat my words but this one really did feel connected to the other yeah. films more than totally. the other uh, films have that have come out since Avengers have. And I really do see what they're doing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think it's really, really cool that they've worked some of the characters from that television show into, into this movie. And they really did make it work uh, beautifully. I liked Samuel L. Jackson's involvement in the, the Winter Soldier. It was definitely my favorite Nick Fury uh, work so far that we've seen considering we've seen him in like eight films so far so right right yeah he has way more to do in this he's he's a much more central figure here than he has been to this point yeah totally and i love that i yeah i, I feel like you've got samuel l freaking jackson you might as well use him and i feel like that's that was a big um misstep in, in some of the iron man stuff i think he would compliment robert downey jr great if they would just use him more but he's definitely the center figure here, and the scene in particular where he shines is the ambush sequence, where he's in the SUV mm-hmm. and you know it hits the fan, and all of a sudden he's surrounded by police cars trying to escape uh, this ambush. What a beautifully well constructed scene that was, and the action sequences in general in this movie are top notch. Yeah, like they. They really made me think like somebody came in here and said, okay, Marvel, you need to scrap everything you're doing with action 
and just completely start from the ground up. It felt so vastly, such a, like such a breath of fresh air from some of the action that we've gotten in some of the other Marvel films. It felt mature. This movie felt like an adult movie to me. It didn't yeah, really feel like aimed towards kids. Like the Avengers is great, but it does have a very youthful feeling and cartoony feel to it. If that makes sense. Like I said, this movie goes right along with like Hunt for Red October or something, or like Skyfall or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just the tone of it felt that way to me. Uh, Brian and Richard, what did you guys think of the Winter Soldier himself and the antagonist there? I think my only complaint about the Winter Soldier and all and that that villainous bit is that I wish I wish that in hindsight that they would have cast. A more, if not more recognizable face, than a more um, dynamic personality in yes. that role in the first movie. Because now you can't really go back on it. I don't think they knew that they were going to do this movie second uh, if Cap did well. Which, you know, if they did get to do a second movie, I don't know that they necessarily thought this was going to be the one they did. So it's tough to go back and, and change that. But I ha- I knew that it I knew that that character, who that character was going to turn out to be, just from having read uh, plot synopsis uh, when when they first announced this project. So I knew that was coming, and I kind of think if I didn't know, I'm not sure I would have like really recognized who the person was, you know, because that mm-hmm. spoiler alert: the the Bucky character in the first movie is such a throwaway. Character. Yes, and it's been um, a that, while since that first movie. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. So I wish that, that if that's a face or a name that you know, I think that makes the reveal such a more um, a, a bigger deal than it really than it really is. Um, especially just like what you said, Richard. Like given the distance that we have between ourselves and that first movie. But that said, as a as a villain. Um, I thought it worked really well, and I feel like that's the one thing that the Avengers has been missing to this point. Loki in the Avengers is great. In Thor, I'm not. I've never been that impressed with him. I feel like Whedon gave him much more of a bite, I guess, than than he had in in the first Thor, whatever. Um, but I, th- I think this universe as a whole is missing a compelling villain the way that uh, like the Batman series had with Joker. Um, and even like Spider-Man had with Dr. Octopus and stuff like that. I think it needs that sort of thing. And I don't know that this is actually it, but I, it's definitely better than most of the villains that we've run into over the course of these, you know, the other eight or so Marvel movies. Yeah. And just to, uh, just to answer your, your question, Brian, Sebastian Stan, who plays the Winter Soldier and Chris Evans uh, at the beginning of their uh, contracts before they did the the first Avenger, mm-hmm. uh, they they each signed nine picture deals with Marvel. Okay, well, so I think he was in the plans to be okay. with. And well, then I wish they would have maybe the fact route. that he's got a mask on and yeah. stuff, and he's largely silent in this movie. I think he has three lines or something like that mm-hmm. in the Winter Soldier. Uh, I think maybe his physical abilities. Maybe he does his own stunts or something like that. Maybe that's what drew Marvel to him. But I agree. It may, may not be the, the right casting choice. But I just wanted to, to let you all know that, yeah, him, him and Chris Evans are nine picture deals. And so wow. Chris Evans right now is, what, three pictures into yeah. his deal? 
third of the way in, yeah. So we've got six more Captain America <laughs> appearances. How, how many Marvel phases universe. are they doing? We have three now. So are they going to do four or five? Or Yeah, each phase starts after an Avengers movie. So this yeah, is phase two. So, we've got two. so phase three will follow Avengers 2, and then phase four <laughs> will be after Avengers 3. Uh, the latest wow. I saw, and Kevin Feige has been giving interviews and stuff over the past week about this uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and he's been talking about Guardians and stuff like that. He said the last calendar that he looked at in his office has Marvel planned out until 2028 Jeez. as far as films. So I, I, I'm assuming there's another Captain America, which is May 6, 2016, by the way, if you want to mark that yeah. on your calendars, Cap 3. And we're going to get Thor 3. We're going to get, I'm sure, a trilogy of Guardians films. We're going to get mm-hmm. two more Avengers films. And they've already announced Doctor, or they, they hinted in this movie, Doctor Strange. Uh, so we're probably going to get a trilogy of Doctor Strange as well. So Gosh. that's what, nine movies right there I just named or something like and that? So. Maybe three, if Ant-Man does well, we might and get Ant-Man those. trilogy. And Black Widow is getting her own movie as well. I'm, I don't know if that'll mm. be a trilogy. But they yeah, are. That doesn't need to happen. They did announce yeah. that already. I, I agree. I think that'll just be a sort of a, a one-off thing that'll come out, you know, in March or February or something like that. It won't. It won't necessarily affect what's going on in the rest of the canon, hopefully. But what did you not like, Brian? You mentioned earlier that there were some plot points that you didn't weren't super crazy about. So what were those? I just think it's a little overstuffed. Um, again, we're we are in <laughs> spoiler territory at this point. I think the Hydra thing yeah. it simultaneously sets them up to like move forward. It gives them an easy thing to do in, in future Cap movies, which is which I get. But at the same time, it does feel like a bit of a departure from the rest of uh, the, the franchise, I guess, or the universe anyway. And I, I know that's going to tie into Shield, to the TV show. I don't know how well it's going to tie into the, the other movies. So that, that felt a little bit... Um, overdone. The Robert Redford character, I think, could have been done better than it was. It shouldn't have been or, Robert Redford. It should have been. Somebody yeah, that's else. what I was gonna say. It may just be to the point where Robert Redford is not somebody who can invest in a character at all, and maybe that's just what we're, the best we're gonna get from him. So, but yeah, I mean, those are honestly those are very small complaints. Um, the uh, the the I loved the hand to hand combat. Um, but there were moments that was, that were like too, the camera was moving too fast to really see what was going on. And I, I am willing to say, like I had a, I got to the movie, the theater really late. I usually try to get there 10 or 15 minutes before and so I can get the seat that I want. I got there like right as the movie was starting and I didn't have the best vantage point in the theater. So that does affect my viewing sometimes. So I'm willing to give it that, but it did seem like we were getting a little bit too much of fast motion camera that you can't really see what's happening in some points, but more often than not, I thought the action was awesome. And I, I I really enjoyed that, uh, that aspect to it. It was a very physical, um, um, from the action sequence standpoint, very physical. And I, I kind of, I dig that. It was, it was very well done on that front, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I want to, I want to touch on your, your Hydra point real quick, Brian. Um, I totally agree with you. One of the complaints I had with the first Avenger was Red Skull dies and then Hydra ceases to exist. You know, like yeah. if it's this big organization, if it's a if it's a Nazi regime, if it's literally a, an aspect of the Nazis or the weapons 
uh, section of the not like it's not just going to go away when one person dies. Like Hitler's been dead what seventy years now, and there's still Nazis out there. You know what I mean? So it's a good point. um, So I kind of like that they brought it back because uh, it's a perfect way to bring it back. I think is through Shield, and you can take it so many ways in the future. And this is probably the most political film Marvel has done, I would say. Uh, a lot of NSA parallels here with this movie, and definitely. it's definitely it definitely feels very relevant to what to what's going on in politics right now. Yeah. But my my question about the Hydra stuff is, it's like like you mentioned, Brian. Marvel goes back to Hydra. That's an easy thing to do, right? And. At, spoiler alert here coming up for the post-credit sequence, but the post-credit sequence comes up, and it's Hydra has captured or taken Loki's scepter. And I'm thinking, oh, geez, we don't need any more Loki. Like, my question is, when is Marvel going to come up with a villain or some kind of MacGuffin that's going to interest us? They keep having yeah. to go back to stuff that they've already done. Like, okay, we need to bring the Tesseract back. We need to bring Loki's scepter. We need to have some sort of segue to the next movie. I want them to think of something that's going to carry these movies from here on out. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, like them bringing Hydra back seems like it's going to take another four movies to get done with the Hydra story. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, I it's totally It's an easy agree. way out, to, yeah. I feel like. They, they do a really good job of writing for the things that they've already established, right? Like they're, right. they do a great job with the Tesseract, with Loki staff, with Hydra, like all these things are really well done. So I have no complaint on that point front, but you're right. There needs to be at this point, now that we're in phase two of the Marvel plan and we're rolling into phase three, like we need to have something else that ties it all together beyond the stuff that was established in movies, you know, one, two and three pretty much. Yeah, I'm, and I'm hoping that Guardians will give us some sort of uh, look at where they're going to go. Hopefully there's not a huge Hydra element to Guardians, but um, maybe so at this point. Yeah, I don't think there will be. I think I think they're going to – I think I expect Guardians to have as little tie-in to the rest of it as possible just because there is a, there is a, a pretty decent chance that, Ga- that Guardians is not – nearly as successful as these films are just because it's such a it's going to be such a weird thing comparatively i think they'll try to play it safe and just if it works out great then you you know then you can add those sorts of things into guardians too but if it if it doesn't play well then you're not killing the canon you know what i mean i wouldn't be surprised to have no real references to anything else in the universe in guardians and then boom have something show up in avengers too yeah with I them. agree. Yeah, I hope that I hope that that's the way it goes. Honestly, I hope they don't tie Guardians to Avengers until at least Avengers three. You know, yeah. um, but that's a conversation for another day. Richard, is there anything that you explicably disliked about this movie? I mean, you mentioned the action at the end, but plot points or anything? Uh, no, I thought it was pretty tightly. I'll use the moment you've given me, though, this little stage you gave sure. me to, to uh, I feel vindicated, Brian. I'm sure you do, too. Ken as well. Uh, for Hey, these Russo guys are pretty good, right? Yeah, we've been watching them do Arrested Development and watch them do Community for years. And, uh, hey, they're not awful. They actually did a big-budget movie, and it was awesome. So uh, good yeah. for I feel vindicated for, for being fans of theirs for a long time. Yeah, no, I agree. And when I saw their names come up at the end, because I didn't, I didn't really 
look too deep into who was behind this before I saw it. I was really, really excited because this is their, definitely their first big budget movie. Yeah. That's for sure. It's surprising that you can go from nothing to this, you know. Yeah. It's such a great film. The movie sort of lost it for me when uh, Captain America and Black Widow go to the old S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters and they see the old Hydra uh, assistant as an AI. Yeah. The movie was so believable up to that point, and not to say that the Winter Soldier is believable or anything like that. To make the suggestion that somebody's consciousness is now in a computer without any kind of explanation sort of bugs me. And I'll have to see... Unless it's Johnny Depp. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure (laughs) this is going to be the conversation we have in a couple weeks when Transcendence comes out. But it's just not a viable concept to me at all yet. And I don't know if that was totally necessary uh, for Hydra to make a resurgence in this universe. But I think the way they played that out sort of came off unnecessary to me. And uh, I don't know. I was just rolling my eyes when, like, the the guy's face came across the screen in, like, Matrix code. And he's like, I've never been dead. I'm in a computer, you know. Yeah, I was just like, this does not need to happen in this movie. Not to say that it ruined the movie at all, because it definitely doesn't. But I just could have done without it. And another scene. I know you like her, Richard. Haley Atwell, as an old woman, uh, I could have done without the Agent Carter scene. Although I do agree it does tie it back to Cap's relationship. And I understand it for sentimental purposes, but I rolled my eyes there as well. It didn't seem that necessary because I felt like the scene where they get to the old shield and, and they're looking at the pictures on the wall and they see Howard Stark and everything. And black widow just says, who's that? And then cap just sort of walks away. You know, I feel like that said all that needed to be said about his relationship with agent Carter and that he lost his love or whatever. I, but I'm going to disagree with you. Kent, a little, I, I don't know that necessarily had to be her, but like, I think I found a little bit of value in, him finding somebody from from the old days to you know to kind of talk about talk to you about what had happened and that sort of thing. I thought I thought that was something that was to me at least was like missing from Avengers was like this guy just came out of the ice for like 70 years and pretty much everybody he knows is dead but there's got to be some people who are still alive like that I mean it per- that worked for me personally. I I get where you know if it didn't work for you I totally get that but I I actually thought that was a a pretty decent plot point for them to, to go into Gary Shandling sighting guys. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. glad he, they, they brought him back. I was worried he wasn't going to be a part of Marvel anymore, but he's looking rough, man. It took me a second to figure it, to decide whether or not that was him. It was, uh, Ooh. yeah, he's, he's definitely, uh, left something to be desired for his physical appearance. I really but. think all he does is tan, get plastic surgery and, and play basketball. <laughs> which is all I plan on doing if I ever make yeah. it big. So, oh yeah. Did we? I mean, can we honestly say, guys, that when Iron Man came out, be like, man, and and whatever, <laughs> less than ten years, we're gonna have James Spader and Gary Shandling involved in this universe, <laughs> and it's gonna make sense. <laughs> so awesome, I love it. But man, there were so many great action scenes. I want to reiterate that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, the highway sequence was spectacular. Where. The Winter Soldier is totally like T-1000-ing everyone (laughs) on the highway. That was awesome. Uh, The elevator sequence with Captain America where 
he gets on the top floor of shield to go down to talk to the, I guess, council or whatever. And people are getting slowly getting on the elevator as he's going to each floor. And then he has the realization that, Oh no, I'm about to get attacked. Yeah. And then he gives the line, does anyone want to get out before we get started? I thought that was awesome. I and they too. shoot, they shot the scene from like outside the elevator through like the glass and everything. I thought that was so beautifully executed. Yeah. And uh, as far as action scenes, I didn't feel like there was, uh, it didn't go too crazy for me, Richard. I know you had that complaint at the end, but yeah, I don't I'm feel, like, I don't feel like it went over that line. Um, so we got some of that last year with Man of Steel and a little bit with Star Trek Into Darkness. And this more this felt more like Star Trek Into Darkness to me at the end. Uh, but I feel like Star Trek crossed the line just a little bit in the sequence with Spock and Khan at the very end when they're on the, the car slash, I don't know, box car or whatever it is. And it's going through the city. Way too shaky. Uh, the setup between the Winter Soldier and Captain America, like the last showdown – I guess the the setup was done so well that I never really got disoriented. Like they're in this sort of suspended on the suspended bridge, and um, it was very linear the way they were fighting, and it 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 wasn't disorienting like like it was for you, Richard, for me at least. But that I I can see why you would complain, uh, Brian. What were you gonna say about it? No, I, I'm with you. I'm actually with you, Kent. I think, uh, I mean, obviously, it's a th- that third act of the, the the last 20 minutes or whatever is. It's definitely the big action scene, like you're saying, Richard. But I felt like this one, at least, it felt uh, it felt to the right scale to the rest of the movie for me. Like it worked well in that front, and it didn't feel like Iron Man three, where like the last 15 minutes of Iron Man three is just like puking action sequence all over you. Yeah. And yeah, and that, that one's definitely worse. This felt, I, I guess a little more, a little more organic to the, to the story for me. Yeah, totally. I love the helicarriers too, by the way, glad they brought those back. And this was the first captain America movie that his uniform actually looked good to me. <laughs> it, it just, it was the first time that it didn't seem out of place to me. I don't know if you guys noticed that. But yeah, I'm with you. It was a better it was a better uh costume this It was less sure. saturated the color was. It wasn't like well, bright blue. It was more like a dark gray type blue and it looked more tactical than the other yeah, one did. Yeah. Well, and I think it was almost like almost like an allegory for Captain America, right? Like it 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 this cap has so much there was so much more of a like an edge to him as opposed to the first Avenger and then Avengers like this was uh, like, man, I really, I mean, I dug Captain America partly because they let him be more of a human being who is by the way, like a super soldier rather than a super soldier who is like his one thing that he does in life besides be a super soldier is just like spout patriotic stuff. You know, like the elevator scene was like a major evolution of a character to me. Cause that was, that was Jason Bourne, Jack Bauer yeah, level yeah. stuff, and just that was awesome. But yeah, I think it was, and I, it I was think awesome. Costume Why did they, with that. they spoiled that in those like ESPN commercials. I know, I know. Yeah, totally. Really, totally I didn't. I didn't see the spoiler when that scene came. I was like, 
Why, how how have I not heard about this scene yet? Or in the, yeah, in the ads I, or something? How did they not? I, spoil I saw it in some of the trailers. And I, I'm I'm with you, Richard. Like that was such a bummer because that was such a cool sequence, and it's it's too bad that you you knew it was coming before it it started. Yeah, uh, little Easter egg guys for you. Did you notice the verse on Nick Fury's tombstone? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, but a friend of mine saw it and then uh, and texted me about it. That was pretty awesome. Ezekiel twenty five seventeen, the path of the righteous man. I saw that too. It's really funny. Really awesome. I didn't see it during. I saw it, you know, later on. Yeah. Uh, but man, guys, overall thoughts on Captain America? Any last words uh, before we give grades, Richard? Uh, just very, very impressive. You know, like like I said, I had kind of a bad taste in my mouth on this character after um, after Avengers. And uh, was very pleasantly and, – and you're right, absolutely right, Brian. This this character lends itself so much further to a standalone and, and now yeah. I won't make that mistake again. Yeah, I, I agree, Richard, and uh, definitely really, really, really stoked for Captain America 3. I never thought those words would come yeah. out of my mouth. But I'm almost more stoked for that than I am Avengers 2 at this point. I mean I told a friend today, I was like, if Marvel came out tomorrow and said – from now on, we're only making Avengers movies, and the only standalone movie is going to be one character. I would hope that it would be Cap versus wow. Iron Man or any of the others, which I, I totally did not expect to feel that way, you know, a couple days ago. But man, I just, I, man, I really dig this, and I just feel like it really lends itself to more storytelling than than Iron Man does at this point. Definitely, and definitely the Shield aspect too. Uh, I really think can be delved into more in these films. Like I do a lot on the, on the TV show, but it's such a great aspect of, of the Avengers and everything and the reason they formed and everything. And so, uh, hopefully they do more shield type stuff in, in the following films. It's going to be interesting to see because there's so many villains. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I know like eight villains that are going to be in the next movies. I just don't see how they're going to, especially now that Hydra's back in the picture. Yeah, how, how is this all going to happen with Thanos and with Ultron and everything? I'm just really intrigued to see, and I'm sure they will with Joss. Yeah, and Joss, we trust, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he brought all those other characters together and it made it work. So, man, he's got a challenge. He definitely has a challenge to make this all cohesive here in less than a year from now. So, um, Brian, any last thoughts on the Winter Soldier? No, great, loved it, very happy with it. Awesome. So, I'm going to give this a grade of a solid A. It uh, wasn't spectacular. Like there were, you know, maybe one or two parts of it that I was just kind of like, Ugh. but the rest of it, I was like, holy crap, that was awesome. So it, it really ranged on mediocre to, oh my gosh, this is awesome for me. So it, it's solid A, not quite an A plus in my estimation. So Brian, what's your grade? Yeah, I'm going A as well. And it is very close to, to A plus for me. This has been a great like overall, not like we've we've had a lot of movies that we weren't that enthused about, but right now uh, I've got Grand Budapest, Cap Two, and Lego Movie are all going to be yeah, top ten too. contenders at the end of the year, I think. So that's that's awesome. Doesn't usually happen that way. Me as well. Wow, I I'm getting stressed out thinking about that list right now. <laughs> uh, Richard, what was your grade? I'm going to go A minus. Cool. Well, it'll be interesting to see, guys. Like I said, where they go from here, how they make this all gel with the other films um, here in a few months, we've got guardians of the galaxy coming out. And then the next Marvel film after that is Avengers age of Ultron next summer, 2015. 
I'm so, so psyched for the next three. This is probably as excited as I've been for the next three Marvel movies because I'm I'm psyched for Ant Man Ant Man because I love Edgar Wright, mm. and then I'm psyched for Guardians and I'm Avengers is very cool. So um, yeah, this is going to be a fun kind of three movie run. It's going to be literally a fun run. Like all three of those movies are going to be fun. Definitely. There's no no downers amongst them. Yeah, I agree, man. It's gonna it's exciting more than anything, and uh, can't wait. All right, guys, let's move on. And let's do Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. I'm going to kick things off for you for you guys for Weekly Recommends. I'm going to suggest a documentary this week. It is a music documentary that uh, was released on iTunes and in some theaters in limited release. Uh, I know we've mentioned Sound City on the show before. I know I've recommended Pearl Jam 20 and some other... Uh, music style documentaries, but this one is is spectacular, and I know you guys will like it. If anybody, uh, it's about a band called The National, uh, who I've been a, a big fan of for the past uh, five six years, and it follows them around on tour, uh, but it follows them through the eyes of their brother, or the lead singer's brother, and so he sort of is this aspiring filmmaker who's only sort of made these sort of B horror movies. And this guy is just totally out of touch guy. Not self-aware at all with what he's doing. Oh, and, wow. And he goes and sets out. And he's like, tells his brother, Matt, the lead singer, hey, Matt, I'm going to make a documentary about your band. And so they're like, sure, yeah, come on tour with us. But he comes on tour with them and tries to work for him like a legit employee. And it's, the, it's 100% real, this documentary. And it's just so funny. Like, they end up having to, like give him all these odd jobs and he ends up failing miserably at everything and um, the documentary he sets out to make is about the band but the documentary that ends up being about him does that make yeah. sense and it's like spinal tap but real if that makes sense like huh. this guy is the exact personification of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character from Along Came Polly like a hundred percent that guy like in real life have you guys seen have you guys seen Overnight, the documentary? No. It's about Troy Duffy who made Boondock Saints. Right, yeah. And it's very similar. The movie's about him and then it's just um, about how crazy he gets after Boondock Saints, how he's gonna be the greatest filmmaker of all time. And he's kinda not really aware that it's making fun of him. I haven't um, seen so that. Really, really funny uh, documentary. So that's what this set seems like. It's like uh, Overnight mix with Spinal Tap. So, yeah, I'll definitely yeah, check it out. It's called Mistaken for Strangers. And cool. you can find it online at mistakenforstrangersmovie.com, I believe is the site. And it's on iTunes and everything. But, man, this is one of, if not the best, documentary about a band that I've ever seen. Like, I'm 100% sure that half of it was staged because of how funny and real it wow. seems. Uh, but, man, A-plus in my estimation – one of the best documentaries I've seen, Mistaken for Strangers, uh, is the movie. Uh, so check that out. Brian, what's your recommend? Yeah, I'm going to give you a book this week. Uh, I've been uh, – baseball season obviously has started and I'm stoked about baseball and I'll be really stoked about it for at least another two or three weeks um, before <laughs> it starts to drag me down. But uh, I started reading a, a book by one Jonah Carey who's a, a writer for Grantland um, and a couple other sources as well. But he has a book out about the Montreal Expos, yeah. which is Richard's favorite baseball team. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're – 
for some reason unfamiliar, the Expos were moved, I believe, in 2003 or 2004 from Montreal to uh, Washington, D.C. They're now the Nationals. Uh, 05 was the inaugural season. 05, okay. I remember uh, because my senior trip in high school, I bought a Nationals hat. Where nice. was my Seattle? Uh, and they hadn't played a game yet. Where was my uh, senior trip to? Um, that would be Anaheim. So I don't know why I bought a Nationals <laughs> hat, but I bought one there. Nice, nice. Um, I'm only about a fourth of the way through the through the book, but it's it's basically a just a history of the the franchise as a whole, um, how it got founded, and then like how well it did or or didn't do um, the things that forced the the franchise to move and all that sort of stuff. And uh, if if you don't know, the the Expos were the best team in baseball in 1994. Um, when there was a strike that ended the season before they had that, which may have saved baseball in Montreal. Like if they would have been able to, to carry through that season, uh, assuming a, a playoff run that, that might've been enough to, to save baseball, but it didn't. And then they ended up moving. I'm only about a fourth of the way through. So maybe the last three fourths are going to be terrible, but so far I'm really enjoying it a lot. Um, if you're a sports fan, a baseball fan, definitely need to check it out. And even if you're just a kind of a, a history fan, uh, Carrie is a really good writer, and uh, it's it's definitely enjoyable. Um, so up, up and away is what it's called. Okay, up, up and away. Did you yeah. hear him today, Brian? I did not hear him. I was actually listening to a podcast with him at the same time that he was on the ticket. I think I'll probably go back and find it on the unticket. Uh, yeah, at some point. Yeah, he was on. on the local uh, talk sports station here today. Um, for about four segments or something like that. It was yeah, at he, least an hour conversation. I think he was in town tonight. Yeah, he uh, is. At a yeah. book signing or something. Yeah. That's crazy. It's um, a really cool book. Like, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and, and it's a, he's a, he's a really good writer. The only issue that I've had, I told Richard this is he, he, he writes like a French Canadian. So, you know, there's different, uh, spellings for certain words and stuff and that, kind of drives me just a little bit crazy. Um, but you do get used to it after a hundred or so pages. Good recommend. Uh, Richard, what's your recommend? I'm going to recommend a documentary as well. I was lucky enough through a family friend to check out a little mini screening of this at someone's house. And, uh, do you guys, are you guys Errol Morris fans? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he did. Yeah. So he did fog of war and the thin blue line and things like that. He has a new one out about Donald Rumsfeld called The Unknown Known, a little political documentary. It's very much a sequel, at least in spirit, um, to uh, The Fog of War, the McNamara movie that he did about Vietnam, and uh, kind of an Iraq War similar film. But uh, I would say that uh, Rumsfeld treats it very differently than McNamara. Where McNamara had a lot of regrets, uh, Rumsfeld does not. And so it's a really interesting look. Uh, at uh, at that at that man and and uh, certainly very intimate and kind of odd one on one interview and Errol Morris is uh, a really interesting uh, filmmaker elementary school classmate of of Uncle Tony little trivia for you guys nice huh. um, but uh, yeah I really I really enjoyed it and uh, found it to be pretty interesting I love Fog of War it's one of my favorite documentaries ever and Thin Blue Mine, Blue Line right got a guy off of death row, row which is saying quite a bit so. Uh, Definitely worth a check out if it's when it makes its way to Netflix or or whatever. It technically came out last year and it's kind of just making the rounds. So uh, check it out if you can get to a screening of it or get a get a get a hold of it online. Great recommend. Did you guys see the Mitt Romney documentary? Yeah, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I can't I believe watched. I had never mentioned that on the show before. It came out like in November or something like that. But um, 
Yeah, cool documentary, too. Well, Brian, let me ask you this. Where can I find your work on the Internet? You can find my, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Beagle12, and you can find my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, or you can find me on the interwebs on CanBabiesInhaleCrystalMeth.com. <laughs> Kent, where might I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and you can find our show on the Internet at madaboutmoviespodcast.com find every episode on there every week we recommend on there and contact the show on there as well and on that note guys until next time we will see you at the cinema goodbye goodbye